Welcome to the Glow Podcast with Dr. Land. Our purpose is to inspire and equip you to live a purposeful and maximized life that makes a glowing difference in your world to God's glory. For more inspiring content from Dr. Land, visit our website at www.pastorland.com and follow at Pastor Land on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Now let's listen in and be inspired. Exodus chapter 19, let's start from there. Exodus chapter 19, verse 6. God, when he called Israel, the, you know, Israel, uh, the nation Israel, he told them he should desire. Exodus 19, starting from verse 5. Exodus 19 from verse 5, it says, Know therefore that if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant. Can you guys hear me clearly? Okay. And those online, please, if you, can, if you can't hear me clearly, just put it in the chat. Somebody will monitor it so that they can walk. I just want to make sure that everybody is getting us very clearly. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, he said, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. So, so then Israel was, was um, situated among heathen people, right? The Jebusite, the Perizzite, the Hezai, and all the height and all. Do you get what I'm saying? And they had a lifestyle. But God said, my plan and intention is that I want to position you among all those people. And then you will be my treasure's possession among all those peoples. For all the earth is mine. You see, I, what he's saying is that, listen, guys, I'm not saying that all these other people are not my own. I have a plan for them. The time is coming. Right? But for me to restore the kingdom that I had in mind from the beginning, I have to have a people that will show it, that will reflect it. And then through which the Savior will come. And all the nations of the earth to be touched. So all the earth is mine, right? But I want it to be a treasure's possession among them. Then let's go on verse, uh, verse 6. It says, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests. So kingdom is kings of priests. And a holy nation. The word holy there means separated. In other words, you are different from the world because of certain things. You are... You know, you know, holiness is like, you know, when, when people hear the word holiness, usually that word scares people because they think holiness is just talking, is talking about purity. Alone. No, 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 no. Holiness is, let me tell you what holiness means. Holiness is that, that uh, pair of suit or gown that you have in your wardrobe that you only wear on special occasion. You separate it. Do you get it? You separate it from all the other ones that you use. Because it's only for a special operation. The word holy means separated for a special use. Do you get it? So he's saying that I want to raise a people who will be a separated people. They're separated, not isolated, right? You can see not isolated, but separated from the world in the way they do things, in their attitude and everything that I can use. He said, these are the works, works that you shall speak to the people of Israel. That was his intention, Right? Sometimes Israel will lead, try to lead towards it, but they never fully lead towards it because God was, God has something else in mind. And then in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, we now see God speaking that this prophecy, 1 Peter 2, 9, that this prophecy that he was talking about actually is now being fulfilled in the church. It says, but you are, let's read it together, I want to go. You are a chosen race, a royal People don't know that there's another race on the earth that is called the kingdom race. 
Now, we understand that there's a race on there called the kingdom race, and it's made up of people of all skin tones. You understand? All kind of skin tones. And that's the, that's the highest place that we need to be. That kingdom, kingdom citizens, that's the highest place. Higher than even our natural, uh, what do you call it, citizenship. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. You see, a kingdom of priests again. A holy nation, right? Separated nation. A people for his own possession. That you may proclaim the excellency of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So he gave us the purpose there that what God was telling Israel that I want to create a family, a nation of people that are unique, that are kings, that they are priests, every one of them, and they are able to show my light to all the people that surround the world, that that prophecy is fulfilled, is being fulfilled in the church of Jesus Christ. So if you are part of the chosen race, can I hear you say amen? Amen. If you are part of the kingdom of priests, can I hear you say amen? amen? All right. So thank God. So, so that's, I just wanted to give you a, a picture of heaven on earth. So heaven on earth this year in our relationships is us becoming more like that. The kingdom of priests and kings separated to God's glory, working together, working together to advance the cause of God on the earth together. Amen. So let's go to our text for this month. Uh, our, our theme is Reconnect. Our text is Acts 2.24. I have one more message next Sunday, the last Sunday uh, on this, uh, before we move to the month of March. Acts chapter 2 from verse 44 to 47. And all the believers were together. All those who believe were together. Everybody say together. Yes. Say they were together. Together. And they had all things in common. All things in common. Everything that one person had, every other person, not in a selfish way, felt that this is mine. In other words, if you have a problem, we have the problem in common. Do you get it? If you have a vision, we have the vision in common. Right? Whatever it is, we have it in common. You have possession. You understand? Those who have it say, you know what? This is also for the common good. You have a gift, right? You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the gifts of the Spirit. That the reason why God gives the gifts of the Spirit is for the common good. You have a gift, you have a, any, anything, it's for the common good. You have possession, it's for the common good. Everything that they had, they had it in common. And of course, you know, it doesn't mean that everybody, somebody was just coming and taking over people's houses and all that. You know, you have to read this thing into it. Do you get it? What he was saying is that, there's that there was that belief in there that, you know what, if I got something and you need it, you got it. Do you get it? So they had it in common. And they, they demonstrated it by selling their possessions. Go to the next slide. They sold their possessions. So show that oneness, that collective. They sold their possessions and belongings and distributed the proceeds to all, to all as any had need. So they're saying that everything belongs, so they sold it. Amen. And day by day, Attending the temple together and breaking bread, bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Praising God and having favor with all the people. Yeah, that's what happens. When you begin to live the kingdom life, lifestyle as a church, when we begin to do that, the people will begin to see something different. And people think the world, listen, 
there's a measure of where out the world will always, they will always oppose the church. Do you get what I'm saying? But there's also something in the Bible that is called favor with God and favor with men. Do you get what I'm saying? Favor with God and favor with men. If a man's way pleases the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. There's a way people may disagree with you. Do you get what I'm saying? But they say, oh, I know I don't like this guy because of his religious stance. But you know, but you know, those people are, they are kind. Those people are united. Those people are whatever. I remember when we, when, when we first started showing up our heads on the north side in the Rogers Park group, when I showed up with flyer, like Glow Church flyer, attacks, attacks, and then questions. Do you accept this? Do you do <laughs> started coming. I was like, what was going on? What's going on? I was just greeting everybody. I just introducing and all that, like, you know, joining in the group. And the attack, I almost left the group. Then I went, I went to pray. <laughs> and I went to pray. And the Lord started speaking to me and he said, that's not the first place you show. He said, churches usually come and show their flyer. People are tired of that. They will just categorize you. Show my face. Show my hands. So we showed up on the same place and became the angels of the community. If you are hungry, come to us. If you are this, come to us. The favor in the group is amazing. <laughs> Even gay people said, they say, they say, they say your family, you know, it's a relationship goals for my wife and I. <laughs> that you are our family goal. Do you get what I'm saying? It's okay. We'll preach the word to you. I'm telling you the favor, even uh, community leaders and everything and all that, they began to want to work with us and all that. But we're not changing our message. We're only changing our approach. Jesus said, be wise as serpents. And harmless as doves. Okay? Then we started showing music, videos and snippets of people within the church fellowshipping together, singing together, doing all those things. For people to see, this is how it looks like. This is this and this and that. So that's the face we're still on. But we're taking it to even uh, you know, greater levels. But I just learned that, that many times the church wants to come with a message first. But, but basically, people first of all want to see. People want to see your deeds. People want to see how you relate. People want to see. And then you hand the right to speak. So one day, I think it was about two weeks ago, you know, sometimes you, you have to hand the right to speak in places, right? You have to hand the right. We have hand the right to speak on the south side and to speak to different things uh, in the city and all that. So on that side, I said, okay, you know, after we've been doing that thing, food and whatever, I said, I want to speak in this group. And you know what I did? I put up the name of one person who worked with us in the homeless, whatever, and I put it up and I said, everybody support. Like, I was speaking like I was the pastor of the whole community. <laughs> you, know, I love, you know, I love that. <laughs> 10,000, I mean, like 12,000 people in one group, another one, 13,000. I said, okay, so I put it in the group and I said, this is somebody that we ought to support. And people started coming from the woodworks. <laughs> hey, you know, what can I do? Well, you know, she was doing this on Wednesdays alone. 
And now she wants to multiply throughout the rest of the week. And people are showing up that, you know, they want to be part of it. They want to do soup. They want to do all that. You hand the, thank God, you, praise God, you hand the right to speak. And then people listen to you. Why I'm saying that is the church has to earn the right to speak. And the way we earn the right to speak is by being people of God like this. They said the Lord, he said they were having favor with all the people. This is not the people in the church with the world. They were having favor with the people in the world and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So they first started by being united in the spirit. And then it translated into favor and admiration by the people outside. And then as they preached their message, people were saying, I would like to join you. And then those people got baptized into the new company. That's the pattern of God. Amen. So the church, Jesus never told us to blame the world. Jesus always spoke to the church. We are the one that we need to adjust our strategy. We're the one that is to adjust ourselves so that we can be able to reach the world more. Amen. No matter how terrible the world is, our, our, ages, our, our ages. Amen. Did you guys get that? So we've been talking about together, and I want to go to the next one today, and then I'll finish. So we, we talked about the fact that God has called us to work together. So we talked, number one, please show me my point again. I sent you an updated one, anyway. Anyway, number one is, um, number one is the plan for together. We talked about it, that God has already planned God has always planned it that we do things together, that the, you know, we are together. And that's part of what I just talked about right now. He created us. He had his own small group called the Trinity, and he created us to live in the same way that we must always have a group of people around us. And then when he saw the man alone, before even people were multiplied, he said, I'm going to make a help meet for him because it's not good for him to be alone. I'm going to make a helper, a help that is suitable, that is adaptable, and that is comparable to him. The animals were not comparable to him. Animals could help human beings, right, to carry certain things, but they could not communicate, not comparable. And the animals were not able to, I mean, some animals can adapt to man like dogs and all that, right? But, but it says that the help that is needed, Ezra in the Hebrew, is going to be a help like me, that is suitable for him, that is adaptable to him, and that is comparable to him. That's what that word means. That word means comparable to him. So they can fellowship, they can do all that together, they can work together, but then can be assisted. You know, they can be assisted. We need help. Everybody say, I need help. Yeah. Say, I need help for my destiny. Yeah, your destiny is too big for you to do it alone. No, you can't fulfill your destiny alone. You're going to need people. So realize that and start, and start working to make sure that you have um, a group of people around you that can help you by being a helper yourself. Amen. Hallelujah. So the plan for together, I have already preached that for several weeks, so um, I am not going to belabor that. The patterns of together, God showed us different patterns in the Bible of together. And, the, and that the, the way he created us, um, we're going to accomplish the best. I mean, we're going to be able to accomplish the best when we are together. Nothing will be impossible to us when we come together. Then number three, the purpose of together. That's what I talked about last week. I gave you the various reasons why God wanted us uh, to be together. The benefit of doing things together. I talked about meaning in sharing. You know, meaning in sharing. In other words, if you don't have people to do life with, you don't have people to do life with, life is meaningless. You know, it's, I mean, right? You're just alone. 
by yourself. It's meaningless, you know. You want to share your victories. You want to share, you know, your, your, your setbacks. You want to have people, you know, that helps you, uh, that help you and that share life with you. There's one alone. There's neither friend nor brother. You know, there's no hand to all his labor, right? And then after all, it's like, what is the meaning? What am I even working for? But two are better than one, for they have a good reward for their labor. Amen. So look at what we did right now. We shared it together because it wasn't, it wasn't my wife and I. It's all of us. It's all of us. Amen. We shared it together. That's what makes life what? Meaningful. That's what makes it meaningful. Amen. Number two, announcement. When you come together with people, a mastermind is formed. A mastermind is a combination of the minds that are in the group, including God's universal mind. Talking about the Holy, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit coming together and with people, our hearts are joined together. So we create a bigger mind. And so we accomplish more than if you are trying to do it on your own. Because everybody has something to, to put into it. Number three, partnership and support. Partnership and support. We help and support one another. Number four, restoration. I already preached this last week, so that's why I'm going so fast. Restoration. Restoration is if one falls and is alone, then there's a problem. But if you fall and there's somebody around, then you can be lifted up. You can be lifted up by that person. So we, we can restore one another when we fall. Because there are times, there'll be times that we're going to make mistakes, have some things and fall, but then God has already provided, God has provided forgiveness and restoration for us. And part of how God does that is through our relationship. Come on, you're not, you're not going down. This is not your hands. I know you, you messed up. I know you are there, but you know what? We're going to lift you up. We're going to break the walls and get you to Jesus so that you can, you can, you can be restored. So restoration. Then number, four, number five is want or mutual, mutual kindling. You know, we get, we get charged up when we're together, when we're alone. You know, so we just find out that our fire might start going down. You know, so, but when we are together, we get all charged up. You know? So whatever you are doing, make sure you get together with people constantly. Couples, get together with other couples. Singles, get together with other singles. Uh, you, know, you study the Bible. Ministers, get together with other ministers. You know, we had Pastor Brother Fred on Light360 this week. That's part of what it does. You know, bringing pastors and leaders together, ministers together for mutual kindling, mutual support. Everybody needs it. Business people, get together. Get together. Get together with people of like minds. Amen. Get together. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to address you, Solomon, publicly. Never ever you um, be going on the internet when I'm preaching anymore. Get the mic. Get the thing off your head. So I'm saying it publicly because I've told you privately, okay? I don't like that. Okay? All right. Don't do that any longer. It's not the right thing to do. Okay. All right. So... Let's be together. You hear what I'm saying? Let's be together. So want. Amen. Everybody say want. So mutual kindling. Mutual kindling. Mutual kindling. Stir up one another. Stir up one another. Then the, one, the next one is defense. Everybody say defense. defense. You, can, you can fight together. You, you know, sometimes there are some battles that you cannot fight on your, you cannot fight on your own. You understand? There are certain things that you cannot handle on your own. You cannot handle it on your own, but you can handle it together. You know, you can fight together. You can, you, you know, we need people to, to intercede for us. We need people to pray for us. We need people, you know, to correct us. We need people to, you know, to, you know it's part of our defense. The next one is a re res resilience. Everybody say resilience. He said a threefold cord is not quickly broken. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. You don't break uh, you, you know, you can, you know when, when you have 
when you, when you are intermingled with other people, it's harder for you to be broken than if you are alone. Amen. I've always used the, uh, what do you call it, the African broom. For those of you who have never seen it before, maybe one of these days I'll bring it. You know, it's different from our brooms, you know, but it's, you know, it's like strands of something, whatever it came out from. You know, like long strands. If you have one, you can cut it easily, but when you have it in a bunch, you bend it, it's not going to bend. So when you are with people, it's harder for you to be bent. It's harder for you to be bent. And then the next one is agreement power. Everybody say agreement power. Agreement power. So we, we, we need to have people to stand with and pray in agreement. Jesus said, if two of us shall agree on earth, it shall be done for us by our Father which is in heaven. So that is what I've covered in the past. I want to quickly share one part with you today, and I'll finish up next week. The next thing I want to talk about today is the plot against together. Everybody say the plot. The plot. Against together. So you guys need to realize uh, that... You have to fight for together. Everybody say, we have to fight for together. You know the reason? Because they are enemies of together. <laughs> they are enemies of together. And when we don't fight, when we don't recognize the enemies of together and fight for it, what happens is that together does not take place. So I want to quickly talk to you today about some enemies of together, the plot of the devil against together. Let's start from Luke chapter 11, verse 17. There's a principle that Jesus talked about in Luke eleven seventeen that even the devil knows about. God, God knows about it. God used it in the Tower of Babel, right? When they were building something that was contrary to his will, so he used it there. He used it in Tower of Babel. The devil knows it too, and the devil uses it. He uses it in families. He uses it in churches. He uses it in nations. He uses it, he has always used it. You know, tribes against tribes. Uh, you know, race, uh, what do you call it, skin color against skin color. Uh, or, you know, families against family. People against people and all that. He knows this principle and that's why he used it. God used it in, the, in uh, what do you call it, in uh, Genesis 11, right? And they could not continue. So Jesus said, he knowing their thoughts said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid to waste. That's all I need. And a divided household will fall. Everybody say, every kingdom, divided against itself. A translation says, cannot stand. And, you know, and uh, sorry, uh, and um, KJV, NKJV says, a kingdom divided against itself cannot what? Cannot stand. Or oh, is brought to desolation. And a house divided against itself falleth. One of them, you know, one of them says cannot stand. So, but what, that's what he's saying is that when there is division, it can't stand. So if you were the devil, right? If you were the devil and you knew that you can't stop the church, you can't stop a family, right? You know you can't stop them because they have the power of God, they have all that. What are you going to do? And you know this principle. What are you going to do? What will you do? Come on, tell me, tell me if you were the devil. I know you are not the devil, but just... <laughs> Try and what will you do? You divide. You just be looking for okay. They have power. You know that power. If they utter something like this, you have to, you have to run away. So what you just, what, what will you be doing? You just be, you just be looking for a way. Let me find something to cause division. Let me find something to cause division. Let me find something to cause division. Let me find. No matter how tiny, let me just find it. So I have discovered that for me, in pastoring in leading, in anything. That is the biggest challenge. 
The biggest challenge of fulfilling God's purpose is not the devil that is coming against you from outside. No. Because you, have, you know the authority in Christ. The biggest challenge is what is called the fifth column attack. You guys go and read about it. The fifth column attack. I'm sure you'll find it in Wikipedia. The fifth column attack is attack that comes from within. Your ranks. That's the toughest part. And, you know, I'm so, I'm so glad, you know, because it's one of those places where um, God told me to be very fierce and very strong. Like, I don't tolerate it at all. There's no tolerance of it. Knock it out immediately because I know what's coming is everything is going to fall. Knock it out immediately in the spirit and in the physical. Immediately. And that's what I want you to be able to do to in your house. And in anything you are leading, when it shows up once, deal with it immediately because it's going to grow and it's going to destroy the entire vision of the house or anything. If you allow it in your extended family, it's going to destroy it. It will transfer to the next generation. It will just continue expanding and you will never be able to fulfill the fullness of that thing. So you have to be very, very, like you have to be very, how do I say, what would it, you know, like very vehemently against it. When I see it coming, I start to address it. You know, this thing is going to cause problems immediately. No, it has to stop. It can't. It's because of this principle. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. How many of you would like desolation? No, I don't want desolation. Do you want your vision to come to desolation? Do you want your family to come to desolation? Do you want your house to fall? No. So please don't tolerate this thing. Don't tolerate this. Don't say, don't even say, that person is the one at fault. When it comes to strife and all this stuff, take the, take the blame and kill the strife. Yeah. You get it? Take the blame and what? Kill the strife. At least you will preserve what you are building and you'll be able to address it later, but take the blame and kill the strife. Don't, don't be living inside of it. He's about to take over your life and stop your vision. So, let me talk about the, the plots. I'll give you a few things that the devil uses. I'm just going to expose the devil. So, the first thing that I'm talking about today, I'm going to give you a few things that he uses. Individualism. Everybody say individualism. Individualism is the first one that he uses. So, you guys know that we are individuals, right? We can't deny that. We are individuals. I have a unique name, right? You have a unique name. Do you get what I'm saying? But the Bible also says something at the same matter that we're also a collective. If you are married, you are individual. The husband and the wife are individuals. But the Bible says the two shall become what? One. Do you get it? So there's that, uh, what they call it. It's not a dichotomy, right? Do you get what I'm saying? But it is, it is a reality that we exist in two dimensions. We exist as individuals and we exist as what? As a collective. So... Whenever the devil wants to destroy, he will begin to emphasize individualism above the collective. Let me show you how Paul said it. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 from verse 21, he uses, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 from verse 21, he uses the body as an example. He says, the eye, an individual, the eye has its method, had its uh, strength. It has its function. It is unique. The eye is different. It sees, right? And don't blame it for seeing. Do you get what I'm saying? 
That's what it is created for. You don't blame the high for sin. So we're not talking about you losing your personality. Do you get what I'm saying? We're not talking about you losing your gift. We're not talking about you losing your initiative and all that. No. The eye should see. But the eye can never say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet. I have no need of you. Go to the next verse. I have no need of you. Verse 22, please. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. They are indispensable. Verse 23. They are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our own pre- we can go, you can, baby, oh, sorry, sorry, baby. Um, Jesse, you can go to NLT. You know, are treated with greater modesty. You can go to NLT so that we can hear them. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. Verse 24. While the more honorable parts do not require this special care, so God has put the body together. Everybody say together. together. Come on, shout it out loud. Say together. together. Say God. Put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. Amen. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care what? For each other. What is Paul trying to say there? He's saying that God deliberately puts us together. He put us together in families, put us together in the church, put us together, right? We have individual stuff, gifts, talents, and all that. But the way he did it is that he made us interdependent on one another. Interdependent. Meaning that you cannot be all that you need to be without me. And I cannot be all that I need to be without you. Just like the high cannot just show up and be seen. It needs somebody to see for. And it needs a place, a head to be located in and a brain to interpret. Just like the feet cannot be walking. If you see feet just walking, everybody will be running away. You need a body to complement it. And the head cannot, you know, head just shows up in your house. <laughs> see people run away. There was something in Nigeria when there was a head that used to talk. It was just the head, it was just the head that used to talk. And the fact that it was a man that was hiding inside the hole. With his head at the top. He was collecting money from people to come and see a head alone that talks. And then now somebody went on their father. He was hiding inside the hole and there was a there was a I'm telling you a real story that people used to watch in the news. <laughs> How stupid can people be? That's the first thing I will ask if I see a head that is talking. What is on there? I know you put it on. I want to see what is on that. <laughs> because a head cannot talk alone. The same way, please, don't be a talking head alone. No. Don't be like that. You're part of a body. You're part of a collective. So you need to make sure that you, you deal with individual individualism. Individualism is always thinking about yourself, and I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you in a moment. So let's read another passage. Philippians 2, from verse 1 to 30. Philippians 2, from verse 1 to 30, quickly. He said, is there any encouragement from the belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind 
and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourself. Thinking of others as better than what? Let me teach you a method. Whenever it is time to talk, you understand? And there are people in there. Try as much as possible that you are talking about the other people. Not about yourself. You know, when it's time to praise, even when something is done, focus on the other people, not yourself. Let other people focus on you. That's a very simple secret. Always lift up others with better than yourself. You don't need to lift up yourself and say, I'm better than all of you. You know, I'm the one. You know, I, I am the, the head blank in charge. You know, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the, 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 the real guy. The reason why everything is, this thing is working is because of Nero. You know, some people say it. They say it, you know, they, but they are saying it inside their head that it is me. I am the one. No, it's not because of you. You are just a wheel. You are just a part of the collective. You, I'm just a part of the collective. So the way you fight against individualism is always think of others and speak of others to be better than yourself. There are times when you have to bring your things in there, right? Like your own qualification and strength. But at the same time, always look at other people and say, no, this person is like this. This person is better. Focus on that. Amen. Can I get an amen, everyone? Amen. Be humble, thinking of yourself, of others better than yourself. Individualism will lead to unhealthy competition. That's one of the problems. And it affects the collective. There's healthy competition. Healthy competition is, ah, Brother Fred. Brother Fred sends me a message and says, you know what, I, um, you know, I, I, I prayed, I went to pray and I prayed 24 hours. I'm like, ah, Brother Fred, you prayed 24 hours. Ah, I'm going to pray too. You know, that is healthy competition. Do you get what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, that's healthy competition. Wow. You know, like, you know, competition where you are staring up one another to good works. Do you get what I'm saying? To good work. You mean you did that? I know that that is healthy competition. But unhealthy competition is what we're talking about. Unhealthy competition comes from individualism. Ah, you know, he just bought a house that is better than my own. Or he just uh, he bought a car that is better than my own. Ah, the way I would do it, the kind of car that I'm going to buy, nobody has ever seen it before. <laughs> Are you going to measure in your eyes? You measure the size of that person's car so that the time you're going to buy your own is at least two inches longer than that. <laughs> I'm telling you, people do that. Some people come into people's, you know, they come into people's home. And they're, okay. Or ministry or what, I mean, pastors, they come to people's ministry. The next thing is that they, they want to do something that is above that. Like somebody said, or a robot, you know, that he has this tent. He said, I'm going to buy a bigger tent. I'm going to build a bigger tent. He said, a robot. I, the tent that they bought folded, everything folded, and the ministry also folded. Our robot still lasted. <laughs> that was where I laughed. Individualism. Ah. Don't be going to people's uh, stuff and you are thinking of how you are going to surpass it. When you are there, focus on making that the best that it can be. If God wants you to surpass it, you will surpass it. 
thinking about yourself too much. You see, when you think about yourself too much, you don't, you, 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 you know, you don't get God helping you like he should help you. You are going to be the one trying to do it all by yourself. That's what he's saying there. Focus, think of others, and then let God help you. Amen. Rejoice in what others have. Amen. Rejoice in the victories of others. Merge yourself in the collective. God will take care of your individuality. Can I get a big amen in the place? Can I get a big amen online? I got to move on. The next one, I call it clickism. Clickism. It's not a word, but I created it. It's okay. All, all of us were created. And God created us in his image so that we can create stuff. Okay, awesome. So it doesn't exist in dictionary for now, but you know, you see, after this, now it's beginning to become. After we start, after people will start using it, I'll start using it online to become you know, among the dictionary. It's called clickism. Amen. So, clicks. 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 People don't know that. You know, I'll tell you the danger of clicks. What is a click? It is one of the plot against together. A click has the has the uh, what do you call it? The um, the, the a kind of together. Do you get what I'm saying? It's a kind of together, but it's a together that affects together. Do you get what I'm saying? It's some people coming together, some, but it's a together that affects other together. Do you get what I'm saying? So that's what a clique is. A clique is a group of people within another group of people who become exclusive. They form what is called an in-group so that every other person is an out-group. One of the dangers or one of the excesses, why some people didn't like small groups, you know, small groups, they've been trying it for a long time and all that, from Young Cho and all that. Some churches don't like small groups because they said one of the dangers is that people are going to form cliques and then they're going to exclude other people. But the question is that you never do anything because of the danger. You address the danger. You address the excesses because there's nothing in this world that you would do that doesn't have excess. And that's why we keep teaching this thing. The small groups are not to create an exclusive group or exclusive groups. Do you get what I'm saying? The small groups that we have are not to create exclusive groups. They are to create people who are together, but not to exclude the whole. Do you get what I'm saying? You know, if that starts showing up, trust that we're going to dissolve it. Do you get what I'm saying? Because it's a plot against together. The way it's supposed to work is that when you, are in a, when you are in a group, right, always think of the larger collective. Do you get what I'm saying? Always think of the larger collective. And I'm going to talk about even our church too and the larger collective of the city in the next moment. But I'm talking about within the church right now. Always think of the larger collective. And that's why we also use semester, so that people can go to other places and do others and try other things, so that cliques don't form. You see, when cliques form, what happens is that people, new people that are coming in, just feel that we're not part of the group, so it's not important. So we have always tried to fight against that. Everybody must be included, no matter the color of your skin, no matter your background, no matter your story. Everybody must find their place. Amen. You know, there's a disease, you know, when a part of your body, some part of your body, they start collaborating together at the expense of the other one. It's called metastatic cancer. That's what it's called. 
And God doesn't want that in anybody. But don't take my word for it. Don't take my word for it. So let's read. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 to 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, from verse 10 to 13. He said, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Now, what did he notice? Verse 2. For some members of Ploest household, small group, have told me about your quarrel. So one small group wrote a letter to Paul about this quarrel that is going on. My dear brothers and sisters, verse 12, what was the quarrel? He said, some of you are saying, I am a follower of Paul. Others are saying, I follow Apollos. And others are saying, I follow Peter. Oh, and they, some say, me, oh, I don't follow man. I only follow Jesus. As of a followership. <laughs> so, so basically the way that happened was that. So Paul established the church. Apollo, he put Apollos there. Apollos began to teach and everything. And of course, Peter is known as a great apostle. So people divided themselves into groups. That me, this is, this is my own sect. Now this is my own, uh, you know, sect. This is my own whatever. And then they now start fighting against each other. My apostle is bigger than your own. So Paul had to correct them. Let's see the correction of Paul to them. He said, has Christ been divided into factions? Has Christ been divided into factions? Answer. Was I, Lamb, or Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptized in the name of Gregory? Of course not. Verse 13. I mean, verse 14. I thank God I did not baptize any of you. <laughs> you know, sometimes I've read this a long time. So sometimes, you know, sometimes I don't do something. So, for example, right now, I don't do naming ceremonies anymore. I don't do it anymore. Why? Now, this is because I occupy a unique position. So, if I do naming ceremony for one person, I say, you know, in my own naming ceremony, the senior pastor of the church was the one that came. But when it was time for my whole. They said associate pastors. <laughs> so I said, okay. I said, pastor, only pastor, share with everybody. I know you guys can do it better than I can do it. Please go. But I, this is the reason. You know, so if I need to do I will do. Do you get what I'm saying? But, but Paul said, I thank God I didn't Paul knew that if he baptized some people, and he didn't baptize some people, <laughs> the ones that were baptized by him, they would say they were special. Or the other people would say they are not special. So as a pastor, there are certain things I don't do. Not because I can't do it, but I don't do it. Because I don't want to create faction. You don't want to create faction. Except Christmas and Gaius are the only ones that I baptize. Verse 14, please say something for me. He said, for, for now, no one can say they were baptized in my name. Verse 16. So listen, what I'm saying, even those of you that are leaders, leaders of small groups and all that, you have, you see, and that's why we put, we try to put mature people, you have to make sure that you don't allow factions. It is your responsibility. Some people within will start to do that, but you bring, you knock it down every time. No, this is not an exclusive group. This is a part of a collective. 
Paul said, I had to do that deliberately. Please go, go on, please. Go on and let's see the solution there. Oh, yes. I also baptized the household. Yeah, I remember I also applied, you know, household of Stephanas. But I don't remember baptizing anyone else. For Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the good news and not to clever speech for fear that the cross of Christ may lose its power. Verse 18. I want to go to what he's saying. Talked about the message of the cross. Maybe go to like 20. When he said, you know, when he said, all things are yours. All things are yours. And that's where I want to go. Go, keep going forward. He said, oh, the solution was this. Rather than you forming cliques, claim all. Everybody say, claim all. Please go to verse, um, verse 30. Verse 30. Verse 30. Verse 30. Because we can't read every one of those things because of our time. Verse 30, please. When he started talking about Peter and Paul and all that again. Hallelujah. Good. He said, God has united you with Christ Jesus for our benefit. God made him to be wisdom himself. Christ made us right with God and he made us pure and holy and he freed us from sin. Verse 31. Verse 31. Therefore, the scripture says, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. I say, boast only about the Lord. Verse 32. Verse 32. Is that verse 32? That's it. I need to find that passage in there. Please, somebody help me find it. Where he says all things are yours. Everybody find it. Verse what? Verse 31? 21, please. Verse 21. Yeah, verse 21. Verse 21. He said, since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through him and wisdom, he has used the foolish... Is that it? Is it 21? Anyway, when you guys find it, let me know. Let me find it. No, you know. But Paul was trying to give them the solution that, you know what? Not Peter, not Paul, not Apollos. But he says, even Peter, Apollos, and all that, they are all yours. He said, all things are what? Are yours. All things are yours. So the key to fighting cliques is to make sure you think of the collective. You claim all. Everyone say claim all. You ever say claim all. Claim all. Claim all. Claim all. Don't get isolated in one corner. Claim all. Claim all. Claim all. Amen. Claim Peter, claim Paul, claim this, claim that, claim that, claim all, claim all, claim all. Amen. Hallelujah. Follow those who through faith and patience obtain the promise. Let me talk. So clicks leads to exclusion. We'll find out for you. Let me talk about the last thing uh, before I go. The last plot. You found it? He said, whether Paul or Apollos or Peter or the world or life or death or present and the future, everything, everything, everything. Everything belongs to you. Everything belongs to you. Do you get it? That's the key. Finally, sectarianism. Sectarianism. I need to quickly talk about that. So, sectarianism is cliquism manifested on a larger scale. <laughs> so, I'm talking about churches and all that. So... Sectarianism is that, okay, the sitting light people, we are, we become a sect on our own. And the assembly of God in Christ that is across the street, they are not members of the body of Christ. That is also wrong. It's the plot against together. And we have always made it a duty to preach this every year to City Light Church, that City Light Church is only one expression of the local body of Christ in the city of Chicago. We are not the best, we are not the only, 
we are a part of a larger body. And every one of those other churches who believe in Jesus Christ, we are one and the same. We serve under the same Father. Hallelujah. And we're going to honor them and work with them. So we don't do sex in this place. Ephesians 4, verse 3 to 6. It said, be eager or make every effort. I told you there's efforts required in unity. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in spirit. Binding yourselves together with peace. Why? For there is one body. Everybody say one body. And one spirit. There's one Holy Spirit. There's no assembly of God, Holy Spirit, and, uh, you know, the United Church of God in Christ, Holy Spirit. And then there is another Holy Spirit for Winner's Chapel, another one for Redeemed. And this, no, it's the same one spirit. Everybody say one spirit. It's the same one Lord. And listen, there's only one glorious hope. There's only one vision. There's only one purpose for the future. It is the kingdom of God manifesting on the earth. It's God being glorified for everyone. It's the same thing. If the devil comes and tells you, no, then something is wrong. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of who is over and through and in. Can you see the collective? It's over, through, in, everywhere, all connected. First Corinthians, you know, already read that one. He said, all of you should agree. So basically, sectarianism, the danger of sectarianism is that it leads to elitism and error. Error. When you start separating yourself from the rest of the body, you find yourself moving into error. We need other people. That's why we connect. We need them to correct us. We need them to show us a part of the elephant that we're not seeing. The six blind men of Hindustan. If you have ever read the poem before. The six blind men of Hindustan, they had never seen an elephant before. They were blind anyway, so they never, they don't know. But they've heard about the elephant. So they went to look at the elephant. The first one touched the trunk of the elephant in front and said, the elephant is like a, like a snake. Wow, look at it. That's the, that thing. The elephant is like a snake. Then one touched the hair. He said the elephant is like a fan. One touched the feet. He said the elephant is like a tree trunk. So they touched different parts of the body, and they all described the elephant based on what they touched. But what they did not know that for them to get the full picture of the elephant, they needed to talk to one another. You guys need to understand that for you to get the full picture of God, you have to be able to interact with all those strings of God. That's why you have to listen to other people. You have to fellowship with other people from other churches, other pastors. Don't just listen to me alone. You can't survive by listening to me alone. Hallelujah. Even within the body, there are people that God is raising up. They are writing stuff. They are doing that. Read their books. Be part of it. Do whatever. You will need everything to be able to be all that we have been called to be. We're not, sect. We're not a sect. We're a part of the body. I'm not going to be blessed today. Come on, let's rise up on our feet. And let's keep. I want you to just, you know, all I just want you to do is to commit yourself today to fighting against them. Well, let me say to maintaining the unity of the spirit by making sure that you are 
you are very sensitive to the plot they came together. Never ever allow differences to separate us. Never allow differences to separate us. We are in this church right now. We have people from, there are people even from Africa in this place that I cannot speak their language. I don't understand why they are speaking their language. Right? Then, of course, we have African Americans. We have people. That's God's design. That's God's design. Never let differences separate us. In fact, what ought to happen is that the majority ought to actually make sure that they come down to lift the minority. That is, you see, in the, in the world, the majority oppresses the minority and the minority fights for their rights. In the church, the, the majority is supposed to support the minority, that the minority will start fighting for the rights of the majority. It's an upside-down world. Do you guys get it? That's where it's supposed to be. Whenever people are different from you, or when you see people isolated or whatever, or people are not the same, that's the most time when you are supposed to give them the biggest of grace, the biggest of love, the biggest of everything. That's the way God designed it. He said the, the members that are least, they are more honorable than even the world, right? That are more honorable. That's the way it's supposed to be. Together. Everybody say together. Come on, let's lift our voices together and just pray to the Lord right now. Let's ask the Lord for help so that we can, we can come against this plot. Come on, lift up your voices and pray. The plot against together. I pray for everybody here right now and everybody watching online right now. You know, that right now the grace of God will come upon you to fight for the unity of the spirit. To come against individualism. To come against cliqueism. And to come against sectarianism in the name of Jesus Christ. We curse the spirit of competition. Of unhealthy competition in the name of Jesus. Only to stay up one another to good works. We, we curse the, the, the spirit of racism and ethnicism and, 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 and separation and divisions within the church in the name of Jesus Christ. Together, Lord, as a collective, we shall fulfill your purpose. Please, if you are one of those people who uses a racial, racial, uh, what do you call it, epithet about one or one ethnicity, stop it. That's not Christian life. I know many times you are, you know, people accuse white people of doing whatever. But from what I've seen, black people do it more. Even people from the same country, they have racial epithets for, for people of other races. They call them names that people do not know. That should not be seen among members of the body of Christ. We call ourselves by the name that God has called us. We call our names by the, by the names of honor. That's the way it's supposed to be. Let's show the world what unity looks like. Let's show the world what together looks like. Can I get an amen in the house? In the name of Jesus, receive grace right now. I speak to everyone, receive grace right now. From this moment onward, to begin to grow in together, to begin to grow in this anointing, in this grace, to maintain unity, to love people, to lift people, and to work together, no matter the differences, so that the name of the Lord shall be glorified. A kingdom of kings and a kingdom of priests shall be raised. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Globe Podcast. We trust you were blessed and inspired. 
For more contents from Dr. Land, visit our website at www.pastorland.com and follow at Pastor Land on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Keep glowing. See you next time.